BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, May 26th is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pond to smoke, and so much more, including columns from Ben Jarofsky. Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A-V as in victory. S-K-Y. Crazy day on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Ben has breaking news. We got Byron Sigcho Lopez coming up. But first, I need to remind everybody about this reefer thing going on. Is it called reefer palooza? No. Did you know, though, that Illinois has an average monthly revenue of over $100 million from recreational cannabis sales? And as of 2022, Chicago hosts an impressive 44 cannabis dispensaries. The Windy City is the perfect place for the Illinois Cannabis Convention. It's June 10th through the 11th, and it's brought to you by NECAN. The convention will be the largest gathering of the existing local medical cannabis industry and those getting into the new adult-use recreational market. The convention will showcase more than 100 companies, brands, and product lines. There's also four full programming tracks running each day for medical business, cultivation, and social justice, and it's featuring dozens of expert speakers with practice knowledge and advice for attendees of all levels of experience all are welcome go to necan.com slash illinois n-e-c-a-n-n.com slash illinois for information and to register it is thursday may 26th and this is the ben jarofsky show Today on the program, thanks to redistricting, he may be my alderman. <laughs> Byron Sicho Lopez. <laughs> and now your host, not my alderman, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Uh, hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this COVID Thursday, and here's why. Before I get into the why, I got to tell you, it's just when you said he may be my alderman, just brought back memories of the old days. I should share this for when Byron actually comes on. Uh, we're still waiting for him to uh, click in. Uh, but back in the old days, uh, when I used to be on the radio before I got fired, <clears throat> uh, when we were in the... I can't remember the name of the radio station, but it's way on the northwest side of Chicago in the 45th Ward. Look, he's dying to say that, uh, but I know the name. <laughs> Gee, I got to go slow. Got to go slow. It's WCBT uh, 820. Oh, yeah, that's the name of it. More facts that's matter. Good, in a matter good, of fact, you're fired. <laughs> that's hilarious. Facts matter. In a matter of fact, you're fired. <laughs> Folks, let me just tell you something. You all should get fired at least once in life, okay? I'm just going to just share that with you. You know, you think you're all that, and then they call you down there. <laughs> Some guy named Pinhead calls you into a room and fires you. They bring you down to earth a little bit. Where was I? Oh, yeah. So, but back in those old days, 
I wasn't even going to talk about this when the show began, but then Dennis said that one thing. Uh, we were in the 45th Ward, and the alderman of the 45th Ward back then was John Arena. When he would come on the show, remember D, when he'd walk in, oh, and yeah. he'd be bowing. Well, John Alderman, uh, the salesman, would be rushing. Have an egg roll, Mr. Alderman. <laughs> I got I got a sample of that. Uh, I t- I mentioned this before our guest today, Byron Sixer Lopez, and um, as I promised, uh, I took Byron and Adolfo out for uh, dinner in uh, Chinatown uh, because uh, they. I think I can give them credit. They prevailed in their lawsuit. Uh, and uh, more or less, uh, but what it was close enough uh, where I felt uh, I had to make good on my uh, obligation there or whatever. But um, oh my. Goodness, it's just like being back at WCPT when the alderman comes in. You know, everybody's rushing up to Byron, yeah. you know, oh, alderman, alderman. I'm like, hey, what about me? I, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Could you just take the picture of us with the alderman? Okay. Anyway, I called this um, uh, COVID Thursday, and here's why because I got COVID. That is. <laughs> Breaking news on the Ben Jarofsky show. I, I uh, really uh, down, downplayed that breaking part. I should have built it up a little more. Uh, and the reason why I downplayed it is because anything I do brings on a coughing fit. And that old gag that we do wherever I would cough, I go, uh, uh, COVID. And Dennis would go, good God, don't say that. <laughs> well, it's true now. I got it. I don't know when I got it. I don't know how I got it. Uh, I immediately was worried about Adolfo and Byron because they were with me on uh, Saturday. So far, my wife doesn't have it. She's been negative in her test. So what a drag, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and um, doing the show. I mean, I don't have it like the really bad kind. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, go to the hospital, COVID. I have more like, oh, it's like a really bad cold. Which, by the way, I never bought as an argument against COVID. You know, oh, it's just a bad cold. Oh, here comes a cough. Uh-oh. Hold on, dude. Oh, cough button, cough button. Oh, or just sip some tea, whatever. You, whatever ah, your method. Honey, there man. you go. Nice. Uh, by the way, I should be into tea and honey anyway. Uh, just saying, man. Tea and honey. Uh, tea and honey is something else. Where have you been my whole life? Um, but uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, I got it, and first test was uh, negative. So I said, oh, it's just a bad cold. And, you know, like I'm saying, bad colds suck. I mean, it was a cough. My chest was congested. You know, I, I have these coughing fits. You ever, D, when you cough so much that uh, your muscles and your, your rib cage muscles oh, hurt? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like, wait, who uses those muscles anyway? I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm, no doc- I'm not a doctor. But, like, I'm not quite sure whenever you use those muscles. Now, watch. There's always someone who knows stuff. You know what I'm saying? The, oh, well, Ben, it's like when you do da, da, da. Okay. Uh, but uh, all of a sudden, they you realize they are there and they hurt. So that's about the extent of it. Um, don't have a fever. Uh, and as soon as the show is over, folks, I'm going <laughs> to take a look. <laughs> I won't lie to you, which I probably would have done anyway. Byron, I hope to hell you don't have COVID. Uh, as I told people uh, several times, uh, you, Adolfo, my wife, and Adolfo's niece had dinner together on Saturday. Uh, so any signs that you have it? Are you okay so far? No, no symptoms. Actually, I did take um, a test um, after we met. So, uh, you know, so far I will definitely keep testing regularly because, I, of course, we're in city council and other places. But fortunately, we're okay. Okay, very good. Uh, and uh, I wanted to reach out to Byron um, to talk war map, talk politics. He's pretty much a regular visitor to our show. 
and then I had double reason. And I want to give a shout out to a good friend of mine, Joshua Smizer de Leon, uh, who is a podcaster and a political junkie uh, and who um, just follows Twitter feeds. And folks, as I always make fun of myself, I'm if you want to keep a secret from Ben, just put it on Twitter because I never look at Twitter, uh, Byron. But uh, Joshua Smizer de Leon, God bless you, Joshua, uh, sent me links. And that's how I learned yesterday about I'm politely calling it your exchange with Lori Lightfoot on the floor of the Chicago City Council. I said, I absolutely have to have Byron on, but we're going to hold off on conversation on Ward Map. Uh, we will get into curfew, uh, but um, excuse me, um, the casino. But because uh, these exchange were, in my humble opinion, very revealing about uh, Chicago politics in the age of Lori Lightfoot. And um, so uh, we're going to do this show much like we do the Dave Glowatch show where Dave comes on. He has clips from the Chicago City Council. Uh, and so we have clips from again. Thank you, Joshua, uh, that Joshua sent to me. And then uh, when we're done playing uh, the clips, Byron, uh, much like I do with Dave Glowatch, we'll have sort of your analysis, your play by play analysis of went down and uh, how it fits a pattern or doesn't fit a pattern. Uh, and uh, whether you think this is a, um, what's the word, a civilized way uh, to have democracy in the city of Chicago. So the first clip is a zoning. I'm calling it uh, a zoning. And um, uh, it's, I'm going to do a little setup and, and uh, this clip, this didn't get much news coverage. And I actually think of the two exchanges, one over the zoning, one over the casino. This in many ways is emblematic, uh, Byron, of something equally uh, as, well, I don't know if it's disturbing as the casino deal. Uh, but in this particular case, uh, the Archdiocese of the city of Chicago owns a chunk of uh, a church. Uh, it's in Pilsen, I want to say, right, Byron? Yes, in his ward, the 25th That's right. ward. Mm -hmm. uh, and the church uh, is closing down for lack of parishioners, as happens to churches uh, in Chicago as neighborhoods change. And uh, the archdiocese is interested in selling the church uh, so it could be um, the land can be developed. Uh, and there's a conventional notion in real estate in Chicago that the higher the zoning on a piece of property, the more money the uh, seller can get. Why? Because if you can build lucrative housing and much of it on a piece of property, as opposed to having it uh, heavily regulated so you could have only low-income housing on there or uh, mixed-income housing or business or what have you, uh, the seller won't get as much money. So to maximize what the seller can get, uh, you have to uh, give him as much freedom on zoning as you possibly can. I, Byron, you got to know, I have heard this explained to me by aldermen who are very, very close to the real estate industry. These are aldermen who existed before you were uh, in the city council. I'm thinking Bert Terrace and Bernie Stone used to lecture me on this about the inalienable rights of property owners in America. And <laughs> basically call me a commie. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, what Byron did was uh, he had the, the land. He's made a move to have the land down zone because he's concerned about gentrification. So he wants to limit what can be built on that site. Uh, he, his proposal passed the zoning committee. And usually 
would get approved by the city council because the local alderman's for it. The local alderman has done the due diligence on the matter. The local alderman has met with the locals. Okay. So you would think the local alderman and the locals would prevail. But Lori Lightfoot, as I understand it, and Byron can go into this more, uh, kept it from coming for a full vote to the city council. And so that was the first exchange, which has not gotten a lot of coverage, uh, Byron. So we're going to play it, what little we have of it, and then you can go into further detail, all right? So, Dennis, I'm going to do my best, Dave Glowatz. Play zoning. When we talk about in, in city council about the need of investment and addressing violence, I think that we have to start moving away from the platitudes and start acting as such. When we see the conditions in our communities, we have to take action that is talk about listening to our communities. And what we saw today, again, is yet another attempt of this administration to take away the voice of our communities. In the 25th Ward, we have a serious situation of displacement, as you know. The issue of corruption and developers taking over our community is a very real issue. In the last 10 years, we have lost over 14,000 low-income residents because of the corruption of the past and the lack of due process. With due process, yesterday in zoning committee, we voted on an item that has overwhelming support of parishioners and residents. Who demand a clear and a transparent process to decide on a local zoning matter. The administration today, and using maneuvering, is denying that right of our community to decide and allowing and siding with a developer that yesterday did not even have the decency to even let us know what is the plan. For a site of two acres, sacred site in our community. I have communicated this today to the Inspector General because it was expected. We cannot allow no profits, but don't pay taxes to try to profit from our communities. It's a shame what we continue to see from this administration. The lack of process on the casino, the lack of due process in many decisions that we make every day. Sir. And I'm not done yet. You are out of order. I'm not out of order, man. You're out of order. I'm not out of order. You are out and of order. And I tell you, you are out of this order. Floor, every community has the right you to have your, a voice. You said your piece, sir. I did not say my piece yet. And please, and please get to it because you are out of order. Get to it now. And I'm going to tell you directly and publicly. You've already done all it. On the relationships that we have with Archdiocese and Cardinal Kupic, blindsiding parishioners and residents who have every right to have said so. Thank you, Your political agenda trying to take all the money prerogative. Look at what my own prerogative have done for our city. It's chaos. And you're an incompetent mayor. Sir, you're out of order. And what you've said are blatant lies that will be addressed in due course. All right. Uh, you're out of order. And what you say are blatant lies that will be addressed uh, in due course. Uh, so I'm not quite sure what uh, you said that was uh, a blatant lie 
I mean, she may obviously probably has a difference of opinion on whether she's an incompetent mayor or but not. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, but um, so, yeah. Uh, so Byron, break it down for us a little bit. Uh, yeah. When okay. you said uh, it's a sacred site to our community and uh, uh, and that not for profits that don't pay taxes uh, have more rights, let's say, than our community members. What were you getting at in that statement? So it was during the, so let's, let's go back a little bit in time, right? With the landmark designation, right? So let's just start there. When Mayor Lightfoot and, and, and taking over from the previous neoliberal administration of Rahm Emanuel uh, had no plan or intention to keep uh, Pilsen uh, as, as the working class immigrant port of entry that has been, you know, for decades, um, as I mentioned before, it is clear that a lot of the master plans that the city had had Chinatown and Pilsen as temporary settlements, right? And and if you can go back into the times of the warfare and many, you know, history before to show that the city has really not had any interest in investing in communities like ours, right? To stay. Um, that's, that, that is something that, that we can verify easily. During the, this process, it's interesting because, you know, this is the exact same thing with the landmark they did when they displaced, you know, Latinos in Lincoln Park, right? The landmark, a large section of a commercial um, area. In fact, I tell you that I have direct, not only have I read about it, but I learned firsthand by Alderwoman Smith, <laughs> who told me about her own experience during those times, and that indeed it generated nothing by displacement of low-income residents, right? Because they know what they were doing. The master plan of the urban planners, you know, many of them actually have experience, interesting enough. So if Eleanor Gorski, for instance, one of the planners has a lot of experience in this kind of European um, landmarking of buildings, right? In fact, very, um, it seems like maybe even some experience in the Vatican. So the connections are very close, you know, when it comes to planning for communities. But interestingly enough, right, and we fought hard to defeat that landmark designation. Let's remember that at the time I, I proposed, and it's interesting, right, because the people who oppose a lot of this seem to be same, or some of the same individuals who are indicted. Because when I proposed the, land, the, the, the demolition freeze at the time was former Alderman Thompson, who jumped in last minute in a zoning matter that was in the 25th Ward to claim that a side street was not, included, that was included and he wasn't notified, even though it had zero effect in him, right? So he jumped in and as they did yesterday with the with the law department, yeah. oh, this is the fear mongering. This is going to create a legal problem. I wasn't notified. I didn't talk to my residents, even though there were no residents affected in that area, right? But they effectively persuaded some people to stop down, you know, and they effectively stopped the demolition freeze that we proposed. Only to see, you know, later um, an effort that I think still falls short to address displacement by creating an anti-demolition, um, anti-deconversion zone, as well as the demolition fees. That was the response to the failed landmark designation, which is still, I think, a lot of a lot of flaws in terms of the low fees. It's still always tailored to developers. But interestingly enough, even though 900, over 900 buildings were landmark, within this very same area, there was one building that wasn't landmark, even though it is a landmark, is a historically um, is a historic designation site building, orange rated building, 
an important site, which is St. Adalbert. The tallest structure in Pilsen, if you see it, you can see it probably as you come from the expressway, as you come from the highway, you'll see it. One, the largest, and now you saw the scaffolding that now we have because of the, the deterioration in the church. But interestingly enough, you know, and many parishioners ask, well, we actually do want this building landmark so that we can protect it. The Department of Planning, they, you know, raise hell and earth to make sure that that's not included, yeah. right? But did not want to uh, exonerate the residents who actually did not want to be part of it, right? So the corruption goes, I think, very deep when it comes about who will this benefit. And I remember all the women, Smith at the time told me, I cannot believe in 2020, or oh, this is what they believe was 2020, we will be dealing with stuff like this. Because they knew very well what happened back then when the young lords were protesting this same, very same decision. Our communities wise, we learn, and we learn quickly about how these urban master planning, you know, and institutions co-work hand in hand, right? To impose their will on their master plans. Fortunately, we defeated that furious plan. And part of some of these conversations, I think is important that we discuss, it started to come around some other bit. Parishioners start talking about it. Since I got elected in 2019, and this is an old issue in the world, goes dates back to 2015, when the, my predecessor, again, tried to sell it to multiple developers. Fortunately, the community has fought back in every occasion. The latest one, that the archdiocese had the, the audacity to show as a wonderful thing in the community. If you hear Mr. Wallen, you know, talks, who talked as the witness, right? Uh, and they have ample time, because we were fair. We had two-hour debate on zoning committee. They have ample time to present their evidence, their signatures, and all that. We won, fair and square. But what the archdiocese has failed to disclose, right, is that this is not a new issue. And what they have proposed in front of us has always been behind scenes, every single time, only to be back on the square one with nothing at the table. So last time, actually, when they said, oh, we want the 40% affordable, 40% was never mentioned. So the lies that they spread. Well, I never saw any 40% affordable development set aside. It was a 30%, but it was a 30% of micro, micro apartments, <laughs> I think. So micro apartments that were going to be built by the same developer. That white was Casa's plan. Imagine how that's perceived in the. I'm reminded the, the the disconnection of these institutions with our community to think that such a proposal was going to move forward. Mayor Lightfoot, this is back in 2020, made a commitment, and that's what she is so unethical. Made a commitment to work with everybody to have everybody at the table, and we believed it. We said, okay, let's get everybody at the table so we have a transparent process. What has the Chidaisis done since then? is quite the opposite. It's worked with some very powerful lobbyists, right? As uh, Mr. Martin Cabrera, that we all know, right? That works, you know, um, you know, worked in the past with UNO and HDO, and we have our own differences on that. But we thought that this is something that we can agree on. We said, look, we want to represent the best interests of the parishioners, of the residents, who only they're asking is to make sure that the, the process is transparent. There was even an appeal in Rome, you know, to, to try to see to try to stop the sale of the of, of the parish. But unfortunately, the sale was done. The church decided, the archdiocese decided early this year to sell it, right? We understand that early in the year, they started conversations with developers, never con communicated to our office, never communicated to the community or the parishioners, and decided to sell. This is actually exactly what happened in the Tinta Peoria lots, a similar institution, the Midwest Jesuits, a very powerful institution that 
and we told them by the time, 2015, around the same time, do not sell those 18th and Peoria lots because this is going to be detrimental. It's going to fuel gentrification. What did they do? Against all will, against our actions, they sold it to a developer from New York. Only for later, see ourselves in a, indeed in, a actual, in an actual legal battle that we under, ended up ultimately getting out of. So the legal issues that they are talking about are the legal issues that we always going to end up on their back end. But we need to deal with this on the front end to avoid, you know, legal issues. In fact, here, who is being irresponsible is Mayor Lightfoot by creating uncertainty and speculation over land. As you said, zoning decisions, you know, make fluctuations of prices. This is pure speculation. And the worst part is that the speculation and, and the blocking of this ordinance is done to favor a developer and to favor a transaction that Mayor Lightfoot committed not to do. The slap in the face to the Mexican and the Polish community who believed that this was going to be a fair process. In fact, that's what we did. And you know, if you look at the debate on the zoning, it was a two hour debate. It was not an easy, so anything for our community is always a struggle. It's always a fight. And that's fine, we take it because we live in transparency. But when Mayor Lightfoot breaks her own word, back then, and I remember one of her now staffers who also worked for former Congressman Garcia, uh, came to, Ivan even came to talk to me in person and said, hey, Let's not down zone. Let's let's discuss this. Let's bring everybody to the table. The difference between them and us is that we keep our word. We keep our word to the parishioners and we keep our word to our residents. And we believe in transparency. Fast forward, Mayor Life not only has avoided landmarking, has avoided anything to, to help the community and to have a fair process, not to even decide what's going on But Mayor Lightfoot, what she did that day after we win in committee, right? After we win. With arguments, like traditionally, this is never a problem, was supposed to be a formality. And let's go back. And this is how this is how problematic this is, and people have not paid enough attention to that. In the same day that we have a mass shooting in Texas, where a lot of Latino families were affected, it took an hour, you know, an hour to save those kids, right? When we have prayers in the morning, morning on silence, we ask everybody to recommit to work together to what we can do to make sure that we embrace those kids and those families who are struggling so that we keep all our communities safe. That's what said early on in the meeting. Only a few minutes later, Mayor Lightfoot instructs, and I tell you, it was not Alderman Tony either. That's when I went to the Inspector General because Alderman Tony, in, and doing his due diligence says, hey, I, there has been a request by Mayor, it seems that comes from the mayor, doesn't come from my office to get two aldermen to defer and publish this item. Means that we're gonna wait another month for a full vote, right? To create more speculation and conflict in the community. And let's see, these lobbyists that are very astute, right? And very political, right? With connections with politicians and former corrupt organizations also connected to the former aldermen, right? So when Mayor Lightfoot, and of course the revelation, the, the connections that she has with, with Cardinal Kupic, that are not new and they're public. So when Mayor Lightfoot decides to intervene on a public matter, it's not only a second time, it's not only that it's unusual, but it's not her first time. Let's remember there's Inspector General investiga investigation that resulted in favor us about a tavern that opened without permits. The, the former Alderman Solis lifted without, I mean, we talk about that. This right. is second, I mean, I'm not gonna go into details of that, but are the same characters, Mr. Manny Perez, you know, uh, the mayor with a political agenda with these lobbies to favor whom and for what purpose? All right. Let, let's uh, I'll go back to um, oh 
what I began with and, and get your direct response. So I'm going to pretend I'm uh, Bernie Stone, Alderman Bernie Stone for this one, who you never met, I don't think, because he was before your times. Uh, but he would tell me the rights of property owners is sacrosanct in our, our free market system and government should do nothing to impede property owners from selling their property for as much as they can get for it. And that's the same for a church, an archdiocese, anybody. So they want the right to maximize the amount they could get for it. And that's their right in a free market capitalistic system. Your response, Byron. Yeah. So first of all, I think we got to see, and, and, and talk about the specific case, right? So we got to talk about, this is a parish, right? This, okay. is a, this is a parish that was built by immigrant families, Polish immigrant families, you know, like century or a century ago. This is, this is a parish where we have a local school. It's still active today. There's a local school, Acero. Ironically enough, the same school that uh, district that, okay. you know, some of these lobbies, you know, basically dismantled. Right. And the whole creation with HDO. But we don't have to we don't have to go too far. I think that what we have at hand is a situation where a nonprofit, because we got to look at the legal term here. Right. They don't pay property taxes. They don't pay taxes here. They're tax exempt. This is a faith leader. This is a faith. Um, this is a, an institution of faith. Right. So we got to look into what will the faith indicate? What will Jesus do? And I tell you, what will Jesus do? Right? Jesus said in the script because I was raised Catholic, despite of you know what all the attacks have said, and Jesus was very clear on that. Right? When he saw the merchants of the church taking over and selling things for profit and forgetting about the faith, Jesus had very clear words. He said, "We got to get the merchants of the church out of the church." so that the faith leaders can actually, you know, thrive. And we have a faith leader who is actually consistent. Let's imagine for their own parishioners to understand, because they have been misleading parishioners in other in other parishes, telling them that this is going to somehow harm the, the parishes. This is certainly selling to a developer in Pilsen with a level of displacement and property taxes and all the issues that we have is fueling displacement, no doubt about it. But to see an institution whose mission is to serve the poor and the most vulnerable and the marginalized to behave just as a developer. I think that we need to make a distinction here about who is benefiting by this because the parishioners and residents are not, are not driving this. And I think now the fundamental questions to the cardinal and the fundamental questions to the holy uh, um, institution. That's what a lot of uh, Catholics are leaving the, the purge because of the corruption that you see within this. They may not see it. They may see it as a transaction, as a normal transaction. But in any transaction, there has to be transparency. Doesn't matter if, if, if it's archdiocese or doesn't matter if it's a developer. In this case, it's both. They must have, and especially them, especially an, an institution that whose mission is to serve the poor, that helps the poor in a time like this. Imagine what it is to sell this, you know, to a high-end, developer or condos or whatever they because they still haven't disclosed we have an idea of what they're proposing but we have not gotten an official response after we have asked him seems february 15th we understand the complexity of the case we understand that they're going to make a private uh, a private property case we understand that 
But are they going to make a private property case publicly to the parishioners and to the people who believed in them? And, and the mayor, more importantly, who is now is speculating on real estate. Mm-hmm. This is a speculation. And this is Mayor Lightfoot doing it, not us. What we want, and we've been clear, is one a fair process. Mayor Lightfoot is siding with a developer in a gentrifying community. That is a very serious offense, just given the context of where we are and talking about creating spaces for our community. Mayor Lightfoot is a phony for saying something but acting differently. All right. Uh, so what you called her on the floor after uh, she tried to cut you off was an incompetent mayor, which is different than calling her a phony. I can make a compelling argument uh, that absolutely every planner, uh, every mayor, uh, and uh, pretty much uh, everybody uh, in the city council uh, was a phony uh, over the last 30 years on the issue of gentrification because they all want to promote gentrification, but then they wanted to pretend like they weren't promoting gentrification. So that's a phony, but you mm-hmm. call her incompetent. Uh, what did you mean by when you called her incompetent as opposed to being a phony? Well, when we see the issues that we have in our community, right? That we have issues of violence. We have mass shootings here in our own community that we just spoke about recommitting, right? To work collaboratively. This is what Mayor Life says in a prior 10 minutes, 15 minutes acting. And again, that's what I tell you. Alderman, Chairman Tony said, that did not come from us. You know, that comes from the mayor. And I got a verification from one of the sponsors uh, that she got into this maneuvering that they do, right? Sending things to rules or this being the characteristic of mayor life. Hey, tell me, who, who are the two aldermen that Alderman Reboros and Alderman Esposado. Who, which two? Esposado and Reboros. Oh, my goodness. Sarah yeah. really dislikes you, but okay, go ahead. Well, because, yeah. you know, of course, you know, there are people, like, and again, it's no secret that some of these individuals are xenophobic, right? They're xenophobic. They don't like foreign people. They don't like some people who don't, you know, perhaps some the same values. It's xenophobia, and we have to say it as such. And that's what, you know, uh, you know, and again, my own experience has been even with my own life, within private meetings. And, I, you know, you can verify with the Latino Caucus members where she's even uh, at occasions even said that she cannot understand my accents when, you know, accent when I'm making a case, you know, just not to respond or just to instigate. So we got to call things for their names. Right. So and I do think Mayor Lightfoot. And again, that's what I, I think, you know, is either that. But now when we ever talk about very specific questions, we're saying Mayor Lightfoot. You are committing to work together. You are saying, let's work together, address violence. But now you instructed Alderman to send this to rule, that to to the firm publish. Uh, for what purpose? This was a very, this is an intermission, this is an intervention, and this is a blunt, you know, in, in um, um, unnecessary involvement on a 25th ward matter that has been better locally and has been ratified by the city council, but in the committee. But this is not the first time that she's done this. She's done it. That's what I mentioned the casino. That's when she said that I was out of order. In every, she does not believe in the due process. Mayor Lightfoot does not believe in due process. Mayor Lightfoot believes in what she believes is good for the city. And that's what I mentioned to her in the terms of the casino. And Mayor Lightfoot, you've been touring the country fundraising. You've been touring, you know, I think she was in Texas. She was in New York. She's been in California, right? She's been pushing this, rushing to. Where, where am I, the, who am I, am I the liar when I'm telling Mayor Lightfoot, you've been focusing on this when the, the, the city's on fire. So that's the conclusion. When you have time to be messing around in people's ward, right? 
when there are people who are being killed, when there's another 13-year-old boy shot, you know, in a very, you know, in a very concerning case, and we have the violence and the mass shooting also here in the city of Chicago, and when we are becoming the national, you know, a national, um, that we become national attention for every possible wrong thing, not because Chicago, we have the, the most working hard people in the, I tell you, and people, Amir Lefford, you have to get used to our city. We have accents. We got Polish accents. We got Africans accents. We got Latino accents, right? So Mayor Lefford, get used to it. Right? Get used to it. That's our city. But what I'm telling you is that what she did shows her incompetence because if she has time to be messing around with this and talking to to the cardinal and and and, and fabricate her own facts because I'm gonna wait to see uh, she probably hasn't said why am I a liar? You know, I should invoke rule thirteen in the council. I say, well, but I didn't want you know for the sake. And I think she looks so bad that I think I think that that was bad enough for her. But. You know, I do think that the incompetence shows on, on the facts. And if she has time to go and messing all the people's words instead of focusing on addressing the issues, I think that's what we have, the issues that we have. It's her own doing, her own lack of priorities, her own lack of planning in Springfield to tax the rich, to tax billionaires. So now we have the austerity, so we got to take whatever we can because of her own doing. All right. Uh, I can't remember which one Rule 13 is uh, in the city council, but uh, it would have been interesting had you, whatever it is, it would have been interesting had you invoked it to see that panic. I I, I mean, I did it, you know, because for the sake of the city, you know, it was already embarrassing to see Mayor Lightfoot in that light when, you know, we don't have, I mean, and again, when she continues to, you know, look at, I I think I'm one of the the only older person that she constantly caught. This is the second time she caught my mic. Second time. Yeah. No, she, you clearly, she clearly, you clearly get under her skin. Uh, and I'm not sure why. I, I, I know Byron. He's a wonderful guy. <laughs> I don't agree with everything he says. He doesn't agree with everything I say. Uh, but he's, yeah, it's a caricature uh, the way he's depicted at the city council. Uh, and now, Byron, I have to say, uh, you have to allow me this one editorial aside that you know I'm going to go on. Ladies and gentlemen. All my friends who are liberals or lefties, uh, one more time, I'm going to tell you what suckers and saps you were to fall for that aldermanic prerogative line that Lori Lightfoot fed you in the campaign trail in 2019. She created this quote unquote monster that everybody denounced and editorialized against. uh, And then she used it uh, in her first speech, that uh, inaugural speech where she insulted the city, the alderman. And I'm like, it doesn't exist, ladies and gentlemen, as this story shows. Mm -hmm. It does not exist. It was always a fabrication. You cannot ever, one of you, show me a case where the aldermen of the city council voted on behalf of the local aldermen in a zoning or planning dispute with the mayor. There's no such thing as aldermanic prerogative. So what they did successfully was take the corruption cases of people like Danny Solis and Ed Burke and plaster the words automatic prerogative uh, on them as though that were the evil thing. And so this is the reality. And uh, I don't think I'll ever forget that one. Um, Byron. I'll be old man in my uh, retirement home going, the liberals got taken. They were fools. <laughs> you and they still are, right? I think that's what, oh, you know, yeah. it's in, it, look at the votes, right? I mean, for anybody... Who, let's talk about the casino vote. For anybody, after seeing the conflict of interest between the law firm that advises Mayor Lightfoot is also the law firm that advises the winner bidder for the casino, 
I mean, if if we cannot say that that is irregular and that has been subject to scrutiny, then and again, at the level that the mayor of the city is operating, right? I publicly told her we should have the inspector general looking at all of this, right? Because and again, in time of elections, and I was very clear, right? We have to be very clear, right? And again, her in, her intervention and unnecessary intervention r- raised a lot of red flags in our community. All right, I'm going to give a shout out to Greg Hines from Cranes, my old uh, poker playing buddy from way, way, way back when, uh, for breaking that story about the law firm. Good job, Greg. All oh, right, fantastic, yeah, yeah. He he broke it. Got it. Hey, when Greg gets it. I got to give him credit. Oh, no. Greg is, Greg's, you know, in in terms of detail, you know, I think that you know there are reporters, you know, again, we don't have to agree on everything, but again, what we need to be, I think, is uh, at the very least hold people accountable at the very yes. basic level. No, uh, but I think you're right in terms of the manic prerogative. You, I think, one of the few voices was very clear from the beginning i think some of us still believe that you know there was um there was at least an uh an attempt right i think the first year we tried to see well let's see how this plays out but it was immediately clear that this was a power grab there was a there was a, nothing to do with reform this and, and that's what i said in this when i mentioned right look at what my own prerogative has done for us it's chaos yeah. i mean she wants to put her her, her hands everywhere all right, so uh, that was the first uh, exchange, and then they came to the matter of the casino, uh, and then when uh, Alderman Cisha Lopez arose to speak about the casino, I think in the back of her mind, Mayor Lori Lightfoot was still thinking about the first exchange over to zoning, uh, and I think uh, it may have been in the back of Alderman Cisha Lopez's mind as well. So, uh, Dennis, play casino. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, and I think it's important that we talk about the process of how we got here and that we're honest about our assessment. For anyone in the council that's still thinking about dismissing some of the already clear indications of irregularities, of rushing a process that must, before anything else, always benefit the city and not special interest groups. It is clear that this this proposal has gotten the support and overwhelming support of casino of the casino operator. And I think the announcement was also made before even the committee appointed by the mayor even had the opportunity to review the process. If you also add to that the clear conflict of interest of having a law firm advising the mayor's office that also was representing the winner bidder. Let's not let's not hide the facts. I know Mayor Lightfoot likely does not want to hear the facts. And it's convenient to ignore the facts. But the fact of the matter that these are crumbs and there will be hunger tomorrow. Just in a lot of decisions that we continue to see. I think Alderman Hopkins, in detail, has described a failed process. A process that benefits the casino operator at the expense of the rest of the city. I think as legislators, we have the responsibility to review this process. A failed process in an administration 
that is more worried about campaign contributions than doing the right thing for the city of Chicago. You are out of order. You are out of order. Out of order. You are a liar. You are a liar, sir. And you are out of order. I sit here and I will not tolerate you besmirching the hard work of so many people who have worked in this. You may not agree. You may not agree, then vote no. But I will not sit here silently while you besmirch my reputation and the people that work for me from your pettiness of the things that you're trying to do that expose this city to liability, sir. You are out of order. Now you can have, you can express your comments and your views, but you will not tear down the integrity of people who are working just as hard as you are. That is absolutely unacceptable. It is unacceptable to deny the right of answers to our community. Where would we address the issue of predatory practices on casino operators? We asked for a plan, Mayor Lightfoot, a plan to address that issue. That's what we need to hear from you. Not a plan that is going to be discussed after the fact. You are out of order and you are lying. Almost every word that comes out of your mouth after you say your name is a lie. You need to stop, sir. I'm not stopping because I have the right to speak. I am not a discrimination. You are a liar, sir. I have the right to speak as any other colleague. Enough is enough. Yeah, enough, enough is enough. Please cease and desist. Everything I said here is a fact. Please cease and desist. The chair recognizes Alderwoman Haddon. All right. Uh, you know what? Uh, uh, whenever we hear these exchanges, uh, and that one was in the open, uh, the first one that we play all the time in the show was when Alderman Raymond Lopez, Raylo, uh, got in into with uh, Lori Lightfoot. And Byron, I know you've heard that one, correct? Where they went at it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I was in the same car. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So whenever whenever something, um, somebody say, I think Raylo says, no offense, <laughs> but fuck you, okay? And then... <laughs> Uh, it's the no offense that gets me every time, Byron. He goes, no offense, but, and then he says, she goes, uh, you are a liar. And then she says, sir, like calling you, sir. <laughs> you know, well, I'm showing you yeah. respect while I call him a liar. Right. And she never said what, I mean, look at the recording. I mean, I'm glad that we're going one by one because I still don't know what wasn't factual on everything I said. I mean, when we talk about the predatory practices of these casino operators from Indiana and others, our communities like ours in Chinatown who get affected, right? They get affected. So it is logical and expected that elected officials must address that with detail and attention to what our constituents are asking us to address. Not to say, well, I'll get back to you later on this. That's exactly what happened to us. So, of course, again, we are discussing the issues that are important to our communities. Now, as elected officials, well, of course, we're going to hear differences of opinion. She may not think that, you know, she may not think that this is an important issue, but it's important to us, right? And that's what we're bringing it in. We're also discussing about conflict of interest that are publicly now public knowledge. So where, where, is the, where is the lie? I think that she's referring to, and again, she goes and you look at the play carefully, for the things that you are trying to do, right? That's what she said, referring to this zoning change, right? The things that you're trying to do in your ward. Mayor Lightfoot, 
we were elected to do that. And unlike her, we do have a process for zoning matters. We have a local zoning advisory board that is, you know, get, got rid of all the nonprofits that that uh, Solis had put in place to profit from the neighborhood. We have also have a policy that in big development, meaning when we have more than 10 units and they hit an ARO or, or the community is asking for meetings, we always give people a meeting. If it's a small development or it's a big development, we always respond. When residents demand a meeting, we provide a meeting. We're not like her. That is the difference. She wants to do everything in the, in behind, behind scenes, behind doors, and that's what we said. That is the mayoral prerogative that she's proposing, a behind scenes quid pro quo type of approach that the mayor, that the city of Chicago has not only rejected, but condemned. Yeah, I, um, uh, listen, the accusation is, was put out there by, I think it was uh, Alderman Riley, that this is um, as bad, maybe worse than the parking meter deal. I don't believe it is, uh, but it's, it comes from the same it's it's got a a lot of similarities one uh they're dra- vastly overestimating the benefits the city will get uh from the casino and drastically uh underestimating the cost uh and then there was no rigorous analysis and then they kind of like uh covered that up with comments along the line some of the aldermen made that this will be an opportunity for local chicagoans who've always wanted to go to a casino uh to go to a casino in chicago like it's somehow or other so horrible that they have to go to Hammond right now, which for all the reasons to build a casino, I just had to shake my head is like, that was the last thing on the list as to why they built a casino in Chicago, ladies and gentlemen, they were looking out. I think they said like Mrs. Jackson, I forget which alderman said it, but uh, they like, they give like uh, uh, just ordinary names of people. Uh, right, and, um, and, and that's the attempt, right? To silence, opposition because anybody else look i think other members who voted no and others who perhaps were had questions you barely see anybody even asking questions because then you you're gonna see you're gonna hear you're gonna hear uh, uh, the gavel start you know hitting the hitting the hitting the floor so i think it's important that we talk about the issues you're right when we have such issues with projections right and uh, uh, and i think fortunately i do have a little training as an economist so I do know the basics, unlike Mayor Lightfoot, who does not seem to understand the basics that when the projections are off, if the if the overestimation of cost, uh, underestimation of cost or overestimation of revenue, then our pensions are going to suffer, then our residents are going to suffer, Chinatown residents are going to be targeted, and predatory, predatory practices flourish. That is why she did not want to have the proper oversight and things were rushed. But the consequences of this are going to be felt later. I think that the comparison, I think you're right. In terms of the fiscal damage that was done, I think the, the parking meter is by far, I think, more damaging. Absolutely. However, in terms of externalities and the comparison of the, you know, harm, potential harm that should have been, you know, prevented, you know, I do think that uh, Alderman Riley has a point to compare them. But again, I do think I agree with you in terms of the fiscal damage. But either way, like I said, we do have serious and important questions. That time will have helped us. And the own committee, the Mayor Lightfoot, and again, we know that this is, of course, the smoking mirrors now. Because like I said, and, I, and again, another factual thing that was said, and I was not only I said it, Alderman Hopkins said it as well, that the process, you know, was never intended to give a people a, vo- a voice. That's why the mayor announced the the bitter, uh, the the winner bitter before even the the committee is, you know finished reviewing the 
the proposals and the whole evaluation. So let's be real. So Imara Lightfoot wants to uh, wants to bo- wants to portray herself as a reformer. Then, as such, that's why she gets really upset because, and I have said and I said it before, between Alderman Solis and Mayor Lightfoot, you know. I'm not so sure, you know, I, I'm not so sure how different they are in terms of the lack of procedure, right? Because it seems like they would have made the exact same decision <laughs> to favor developers, and that's the difference. We now decided democratically that we want transparency and self-determination. Well, I'm going to make, I'm, listen, we don't know the answer to what I'm about to say, uh, Byron, but I'll put it to you this way. Uh, had Alderman Danny Solis still been the Alderman of the 25th Ward, uh, and you had never been elected, I believe the casino would have gone in the 78 in the South Loop. Uh, I believe uh, he would have been the uh, local alderman overseeing that process. I believe they would not have moved the 78 into the 11th Ward, whichever ward they moved it into under the ward map. The third ward, the third ward, yeah. In the third ward, my bad. Uh, and uh, they would have kept it in uh, Danny Solis' ward. So the lessons that Chicago seems to learn from its past corruption states, it's not like an encouraging thing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they apparently learned nothing from the parking meter deal when it comes to oversight, and they learned nothing from Danny Solis uh, in terms of who is put in charge of uh, big time developments. In other words, the lesson they have is don't put a radical, a lefty, in charge of it. Don't, because. He'll only screw it up from our perspective. All right, Byron, I know you got to go somewhere. You probably have already left to get there. I appreciate you taking time to come on the show. Absolutely. And, no, thank, uh, you for ha- thank you for having me. I hope, I hope that we cover most of the questions. I know that we, will, we have a lot to discuss, but I hope that at the very least, uh, understanding putting this issue in context is going to be a big issue because, you know, the archdiocese, you know, again, they're going to keep pushing their agenda. We have an agenda that is for the parishioners, for the people of faith, and I think hopefully we're going to differentiate, and I do believe that people are making that distinction between the institution, right, and the faith, between the merchants of the church and the parishioners and residents who actually built and believe that we have to be compassionate. And in a time like, in a time like this, when we have, you know, um, a crisis like this, out of touch, and remember, Polish and Latino parishioners are the majority of the Catholic Church parishioners. It is. It is sad to see this situation being unfolded the way it is with an archdiocese that is going to push a for-profit, you know, developer at the expense of their own parishioners. Uh, I think, and I said it to, to so many parishioners, it almost feels feeling that we are trying to save the archdiocese for itself because greed and, uh, and, and, and uh, dishonesty, as we saw in these last uh, meetings, I don't think reflects the values of the parishioners and residents who are really trying to help. And- and uh, address the issues of the pandemic, displacement, and I think our community serves better than that. All right, very good. That's Alderman uh, Byron Cisha Lopez uh, from the 25th Ward in the city of Chicago. Thank you very much uh, for coming on the show. Also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. Uh, and as Alderman Cisha Lopez will tell you, uh, back at home in Alton, they call him Dr. D, and the D stands for Demarvelous. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. I'm going to rest up and see you tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen.